0: Good morning again, Anchor Church. I hope everyone is well. Um, Really quickly, I just, I gotta say, okay, first, we all in agreement that God created everything. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody pretty much agrees with that. Like, I believe that means that God also created fun, and I love that God loves having fun with us. Like, I love having fun in church and getting to be here with you guys every week, so I just... I'm so excited to be here. I love being here with you guys. Um, we uh, concluded a series last week called The Life You've Always Wanted, and it was about spiritual disciplines, and um, it, was, it was really uh, encouraging to see how... Um, Impactful the series was for so many of you. Um, I, just conversations I've had with people it was just it was really cool to see that that uh, the series like really meant something to most of us. So it was really really cool. Uh, today we are jumping back into our series uh, in Romans, walking verse by verse through the book of Romans. Uh, we took a little break for the Christmas season and then in January to to do a couple other series, but we're jumping back into Romans. We want to walk verse by verse through the book of Romans to understand what it tells us, um, to understand what it means. Um, and so we are picking up where we left off, and the title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is The Mystery of Mercy. The Mystery of Mercy. And we're going to be looking uh, at the last part of Romans chapter 11, so you can prepare your Bibles if you have them. Um, we're going to go there. But before I j- dive into the scriptures, I wanted to share a little story with you, as this is customary. Um, I was putting this this um, message together this week, and and I couldn't help but think of my childhood. Uh, growing up, um, I had a really close relationship with my aunt Cindy. Okay, my aunt Cindy. She's the eldest of my my mom and her siblings. Um, and and. Me and my brothers were really close with her because her kids, my cousins, were really close to us in age. So we were really close to my Aunt Cindy. We would, like, spend a lot of time at her house. We spent the night over there all the time. And, like, we just, we were really close. Um, yeah, so, so that's, that's the relationship that I was thinking about this week because when I was young, when I was about 8, nine ten years old in there one of my favorite things to do with my aunt cindy was to play a game called mercy has anybody ever heard of this game before some i'm kevin yes some people have if you haven't mercy is a game of sheer strength and it's a way for an aunt to physically dominate her young nephews okay so mercy is interlocking your fingers and then trying to contort your arms to get the other person to yell, mercy, you know, to quit. And my aunt, we loved playing this game with my aunt. My aunt loved playing this game with us. She loved playing mercy because she would dominate us until until we hit puberty. And about the time I hit puberty, I was also weightlifting for football, so I was, like, getting stronger, and I I would start dominating her. And when I was about 15 years old, I challenged her to a game of mercy, or match, or whatever it is, and she looked at me and she said i'm retiring from mercy so <laughs> my aunt wasn't so eager to play mercy with us anymore so um she she couldn't win so she didn't want to play it's really good memories this is a funny true story from my childhood but it makes me think of my relationship with the lord now what what on earth does that like, how do those tie together how does that correlate my metaphorical fingers are interlocked with God's, and it's my will, my sin, my desires against God's will, God's standard, God's word, and he wins every time. And he has the, he has the ability to crush me if he wants, but I get to yell out, mercy, mercy, and he holds up. He pulls back, he, he stops. He doesn't give me what I deserve. And I believe there are many, many people, many Christians that don't understand what mercy actually is. Anytime you're driving, okay, imagine yourself. I don't think anybody here has ever been in this scenario I'm about to paint, okay? You're driving, you're speeding, you get pulled over by a cop. He is within his rights to punish you, and he lets you off with a warning. Has that ever happened to anybody? That's called mercy, You've experienced mercy, not getting the thing that you deserve. That is what mercy is. Now, God being perfect and holy and righteous, he has every right to punish you for your sin. He has every right to punish me for my sin because every day I sin against God. He's within his rights. He's completely justified. But we're still here. What is that about? God is within his rights to destroy us, but we're still here. I don't understand that. I, I, if I'm honest with you, I don't completely understand this idea of mercy. It, it doesn't make sense in my head. What does the Bible have to teach us today about mercy? I want to look at what the scriptures have to tell us because I think the scriptures have something really profound to teach us about mercy today. But before I read, uh, would, you, would you pray with me this morning? Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, God, that you don't give us what we deserve. We uh, are grateful. And I, I pray today, God, that you would open our hearts to receive your word. We love you. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Like I said earlier, if you have your Bible, you can open it up. You can turn it on if you have a digital Bible to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 25. Now, just to recap a little bit, Romans... starts with Paul talking about the gospel. The gospel is, is faith in, in Jesus and that's what makes you right in the sight of God. And then after that, Paul goes into this long explanation of how humanity as a whole has been trapped in a downward spiral of sin and wickedness and it's only been getting worse and worse and worse and because we chose, we as humans, because we chose sin and wickedness, he turned us over to it. He said, if that's what you want, you can have it. And and so that's basically what the book of Romans has been addressing, that that humans are trapped in this sin and wickedness, and God had to rescue us from it. And, And we hear about salvation, and we hear about justification and sanctification and how important the word is, and he's been going through all this stuff. And now we come to our portion of Scripture that we're focusing on today. Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 25, it says this. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. He says, I want you to understand this mystery. The mystery that he's talking about earlier in chapter 11, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles as branches from olive trees. Now, a Gentile is just a non-Jewish person. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles as, as branches from an olive tree. And when Israel rebelled against God, Paul said that God cut off those branches. He cut off those branches from the olive tree and he discarded them because they rebelled. And what that did for us is it, God was able to take us as branches and graft us into his olive tree. So we then essentially replaced Israel. Um, and and God, uh, Paul says that, that God God is willing to to graft Israel back in as well if they're willing to repent. So this is the mystery that he's talking about. Uh, it's 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 a metaphor, and he's he's talking about us as branches. Um, he's also he's making the statement that is if, 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 when Israel repents and turns back to God, they can be grafted back into the tree. This is the mystery. So um, I also think it's notable really quickly that Paul calls these people, brothers and sisters. Now the Roman church at this time was a diverse mix of, of Jews and Gentiles. Paul was a, a born a Jew, and he calls these people who are Gentiles his brothers and sisters too. He's making a big statement that if your faith is in Jesus, you are his brother. You are his sister. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter like how, like none of that matters. If your faith is in Jesus, you are his brother. You are his sister. You are his family. (laughs) Verse 26, let's keep going. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness and this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Verses 26 and 27 are a direct quote from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was um, a prophecy that was written 600 years before the time of the Apostle Paul. And, and he's clinging to that promise. He's clinging to that promise made in the book of Isaiah that God is going to save Israel, he's going to turn them away. He's clinging to, he's trusting that God will do everything he said he would do. Verse 28, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles, yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a loaded uh, Bible verse. The apostle Paul says that the Jews, the people of Israel, are now enemies of God. They're enemies of God because they oppose the gospel, the gospel being Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Son of God who came to take away the sin of the world. The principle stands, if God has called you, that call never goes away. If God has chosen you to do something, that choice is never rescinded. His his call stands, it's irrevocable. Verse 30, once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. The way this sounds is really jarring. God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience. It sounds like God has caused humanity to disobey, but this is just the Apostle Paul referencing what he already said in Romans chapter 1. Humans chose sin, humans chose wickedness, so God turned them over to it. That's what he means when he says God has imprisoned them in their disobedience. He just turned them over to what they already wanted. He turned them over to sinful and wicked desires. This is what Paul is talking about. Verse 33, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. God chose the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be his people. And the plan was always for God to use the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to redeem the world. That was always the plan. From Genesis 12, it was the plan. But Israel rebelled against God, and Israel rebelled against God's plan, that plan being Jesus as the Savior, Jesus as the Messiah. But God being God, right, and being so awesome, He's used Israel's rebellion as a way to save us. He's used Israel's rebellion as a way to rescue us from sin and death. It's called mercy. And because he's offered us mercy, he wants to use us to help bring Israel back to him. What an honor! What an honor! Now, I believe understanding mercy is, is vital. Understanding God's mercy is vital to our faith and growth as disciples. It's vital. Without an understanding of mercy, I believe we begin to drift towards legalism. If we don't understand God's mercy, I believe we begin to to, to drift towards legalism and a salvation by works mentality. Um, Here, Legalism is defined as this. If you, if you don't know what that word is, legalism is defined as this. Excessive adherence to law or formula, dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith. This is not God's will for his people. God's will is not that we're dependent on, on rules. That's not, that's not his will for us. In the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the Gospels, we can read about people called Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees and Sadducees were experts in the law. They knew it backwards and forwards. They, they were legalistic. They didn't have an understanding of faith in God. Their faith was in the law. Their faith was in the rules. Their faith wasn't in God. And that's possible, to know the word, to love the word, and have your faith not be in God. I don't want us to be Pharisees. I don't want us to be Sadducees. I want our our trust to be in the Lord and not in rules. Understanding and embracing God's mercy, living in his mercy every single day, helps keep us grounded in faith, and it helps steer us away from this legalism. Today, there are two questions about mercy that I want to try to answer, and I want to impact. The first question is this, what is mercy? What is mercy? Psalms 51 verse 1 says this, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. If we're going to embrace mercy, if we're going to live in God's mercy, we need to know what mercy actually is. Mercy is defined as this, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm, performed out of a desire to relieve suffering, motivated by compassion. Mercy is compassion when indifference is, is appropriate. Mercy is forgiveness when punishment is justified. That's what mercy is. And this is what God has shown to us. And this is what God desires to show to Israel. This is what God desires to show to everybody. Mercy. God longs to be merciful. And we can see that all throughout scripture. I say this all the time that, that All throughout Scripture, we can see that God is itching to be merciful to people. He's itching to to give his mercy out. He wants to do it. It's a theme throughout the Old Testament. There are many people who would read the Old Testament and say, God is angry. God is, is callous. God only, he's vengeful. He's spiteful. He only wants to hurt people. And I would say, God is merciful. Did you know there are actually four times as many mentions of mercy in the Old Testament as there are God's anger? It's true. Go look it up. Mercy is a theme that runs through Scripture. Not getting what we deserve, that is our God. Author and blogger Tim Chalice describes mercy this way It is God extending patience to those who deserve to be punished. Mercy is not something God owes to us. By definition, mercy cannot be owed. But it is something God extends in kindness and grace to those who do not deserve it. So I'll say it like this. Mercy is God's patience in action. Mercy is God's patience in action. And we get to see God's patience in action every single day. Every single day you get to see God's patience in action. What do I mean? God could have wiped us out the first time we sinned against him. He should have. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned against him and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. So if everyone has sinned and, and the, the consequence of our sin is death, he should have killed us. He should have destroyed us. He should have wiped us off the face of the earth. But we're still here. That's God's patience in action right now. We get to live in that every single day because God is merciful. He offers us grace, redemption, love. Now, to be clear, mercy is not grace. A lot of people conflate the two. They they confuse the two, but they are two separate things. Mercy is not grace. Grace is defined as this, the free and unmerited favor of God and I already defined com- uh, mercy, but I'll, I'll define it again. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness when it is within someone's power to punish or harm. God shows us mercy. mercy. He shows us com- compassion. He forgives us because God freely favors us when we put our faith and trust in him. He extends compassion. He extends forgiveness when what we actually deserve is punishment. Mercy is possible because of God's grace. So that's what mercy is. Mercy is compassion, it's forgiveness when it's completely justified to punish. That's what mercy is. The next question I want to try to answer and unpack today is this Why is God merciful? Why is God merciful? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is patient with you. He's patient with me because he wants to see every single one of us with him one day. That is God's greatest desire, is that we would be with him one day. His desire is that we would repent. That is why he's merciful. He, he's merciful because he has hope that one day we will turn back to him. He's patient. He's merciful. He's compassionate for your sake, for my sake. He's patient with us. He's merciful towards us because he loves us. His affections are set on us. They always have been. They always will be. He loves you. He loves me he loves us and he wants to see us with him there's there's another reason that god's merciful god's merciful because he made promises to abraham isaac and jacob he made promises that he would be merciful he made a covenant with abraham in genesis 12 he said abraham i'm going to bless the whole world through your family i'm going to fix everything through your family so if god made that promise to abraham and then destroyed abraham's family he'd be breaking his own promise. And if God's breaking his own promise, he's dishonoring his own name. He has to be true to himself. He has to. He doesn't know how to be any other way. He has to be true to himself. That probably comes as a a surprise to some people and maybe sounds like really unspiritual, but I mean, he says it himself in, in the main scripture we just read. Romans 11:28. 28 says, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles, yet they are still the people he loves because he chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's going to make good on that promise, so he chooses mercy. Protecting his own honor is an essential attribute of God. And like I said, it's who he is. He cannot be any other way. He cannot be true to himself. If God wasn't merciful, he would be breaking his promises. If God broke his promises, he would no longer be righteous. And if God was no longer righteous, we would all be doomed. Because God is merciful, we have hope. Albert Barnes was a 19th century American theologian, clergyman, uh, author. He's known for writing a biblical commentary, and he has this quote that I think is incredibly apt. He says this, what a world this would be if God sat on a throne of justice only, and if no mercy were ever to be shown to men. What a world this would be if God sat on a throne of justice only, and if no mercy were ever to be shown to men. God has every right to destroy us. Every right in, in creation to destroy us. Wipe us off the face of the earth, and he would be rightly justified if he did it. Imagine for a second, imagine for a second, living in a world where you always get what you deserve. I don't want to live in that world. I fall short every single day. I deserve to be punished every single day. Thank God he has mercy on me. Thank the Lord that he chooses mercy, he chooses compassion, he chooses forgiveness. Thank God. He loves us so deeply, he offers us his grace. And because he offers us his grace, his mercies are real and possible. And because his mercy is real and possible, we're we're redeemed. We are justified. We are saved. Worship team, you can come to the platform. Through prayer, through God's word, through the Holy Spirit living inside of us, each day we can experience fresh new mercy. That's that's one of the reasons spiritual discipline is so important. Through prayer, through God's word, through the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we get to experience fresh new mercy. Every morning, God is faithful, even though every day I fall short. Every morning, God is faithful. Mercy is God's gift to the repentant heart. And what we do in response to that gift communicates a lot to the people around us. It communicates about the God that we serve, about the God that we profess faith in. The book of James is very clear that though deeds are not required to to, um, earn God's favor, deeds are not required to be a Christ follower, a repentant heart that loves God will surely be evident by the way we live it'll be evident by the things that we do mercy chooses not to be offended mercy compassionately sees a hurting heart behind hurtful words and actions god's mercy is reflected in the cross it's it the cross is an extension of his mercy it's a, it's an expression of his love mercy is an is is it's a result of his love, ultimately. We can make a miles-long list, a miles long list of, of all the mercy that God has shown us, given us. And, and when we're truly repentant, God shows us mercy, and he welcomes us with open arms. The Hebrew word for mercy actually translates into love. They're tied together. Mercy, he gives mercy because he loves us. Even when we stray away from Him, God loves us. He loves us and He yearns for us to come back to Him so that He can extend mercy. What if we actually started living in this mercy that I'm talking about? What if we actually started living inside the mercy that God ex- extends us? What if? Imagine the peace. The peace that you'd live with every single day knowing that God of the universe has compassion on you. The God of the universe forgives you. What if? What if we could actually grasp that kind of mercy that our Heavenly Father extends to us? Pray with me this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for your mercy and the gift that it is truly is a gift that we don't get everything we deserve today god i i pray for those here who may be um, struggling with this idea of mercy struggling with the idea of of mercy that's possible because of grace and grace that's possible because of unfailing love I, i i pray god that you would begin to to do a work in our hearts that we could just rest in the fact that you are merciful, that you are gracious and compassionate, that you are slow to anger, that you're rich in love, that you are good to all who call on you. God, I pray that we would begin to live in that reality. You're not vengeful. You're not spiteful. You're not angry. You're merciful. You desire to show us mercy. You're itching. You're itching to give us your mercy God thank you Thank you with heads bowed and eyes closed maybe you're here right now and, and you don't you've never been able to you've never been able to say like yeah I know that God's merciful towards me maybe you've never experienced the mercy of God or or, or maybe you've never felt it because you've never put your faith in, in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, today can be the day where everything changes for you. Today can be the day where you start living in that compassion. You start living in that forgiveness. You start living in that unmerited favor, that unfailing love. Today can be the day where everything changes for you because you said yes to life with Christ. If that's you today, you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want one. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands just so I can pray with you. There's nothing magical about raising your hand. You're just identifying that you you want me to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to single anyone out. I just want to know who I can pray with. So again, with heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you today. You say, Pastor Ryan, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to put my trust in him. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, God loves you so much. Two, he's extending his his mercy to you, his compassion, his forgiveness. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand. Raise it high so I can know who I'm praying with. Okay, this is what I want to do. Whether you raised your hand or not, I want to ask everyone in the house to repeat this prayer after me. If you're watching online, uh, repeat repeat after me. uh, Again, there's nothing nothing magical about this prayer. It's just just a way to get the conversation with the Lord started. So repeat uh, after me. Say, Father God, thank you for the sacrificial death of Jesus, which made a way to you. Through your word and prayer, send your Holy Spirit to help me understand to help me embrace your truth. Help us apply it to our everyday lives. Today, God, I recognize that I've fallen short of your standard and I repent of my sin. I put my trust in you. Thank you for your mercy and love. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen 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 can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today that's awesome that's awesome if you prayed to receive jesus today like welcome to the family welcome to the family i believe it's the best decision you'll you'll ever make i truly believe that what i want to do right now is i want us to take a moment and i want us to respond to the spirit of god now what we're going to do is the worship team is going to play a song and I want you to feel comfortable to respond how you need to respond in this moment. If you need to sit and and meditate on what we just talked about, do that. If you need to pray, pray. If you wanna stand and sing with the worship team, stand and sing with the worship team. But I wanna encourage you, don't rush out of this moment, don't rush through it, don't rush by it. Let's be fully present, and let's let's respond to what the Spirit of God is doing in each of us this morning. So stand with me if you want to, and uh, the worship team is going to lead us this morning. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. I say that a lot. God wants more of your heart today than he had yesterday, and guess what? Tomorrow, he wants more of your heart than he has today. He wants your heart. And you know what? That's the only thing that we have to give him anyways. Because everything else belongs to him. He wants your heart. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Teach us how to live in it. Teach us how to embrace it. We love you, God. Really quickly, before I dismiss, we have some next steps that I want to give you that um, it's just tangible things that we can do throughout the week to take the message and apply it to our lives. First next step is this. This week I will memorize Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. That's what his desire is. For, it's for us to know that his mercies are new every Morning. Next one this week, I will make time each day to thank God for the mercy He extends to me. And then this week, I will watch and share the midweek refresh. Every every Wednesday, um, we put out uh, just a, a short video just to kind of recap the week, uh, the, the previous week's message, and just share some extra thoughts. Check it out. I I think I think it's worth worth time worth worthwhile to to engage that. So. Um, Let me say one last prayer, and then we can be dismissed. God, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory and honor. It all belongs to you. Draw us near to you, God, that we might know you better. Finally, may God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. May you intimately know the forgiveness of the Heavenly Father. and May you live in his compassion daily. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us today. We will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.